What's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here, and you're listening to I See Things a Little Differently. Peace. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show. It's a extra this week, and uh, it's a sad one. Um, I don't know when this is going to drop. I'm trying. Uh, it's Kevin Nash officially made it official um, through his Twitter and um but it's not official yet, so I'm not dropping this until uh, probably Monday night, Tuesday morning, whenever they decide to uh, uh, say their goodbyes and uh, officially pull the plug on uh, Scott Hall's life. And um, uh, this is really sad. Um, and actually, as I, I recorded the show Sunday morning, very early Sunday morning, and then as the day went on, these two hurt hit. So William Hurt, who plays Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbolt Ross, uh, a.k.a. the Red Hulk, um, passed away, and Scott Hall had three heart attacks after having hip surgery from complications from it. And um, I remember, someone sent me a message immediately. You gotta do a top ten. I said, um, yeah, it's premature. You can kick out. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I felt this. I, I felt this same way that I felt last year with DMX. I knew once DMX went on life support, we weren't gonna get him back. And um, I said to myself, man, um, and, and, and that person didn't mean any disrespect. You know, they were just like, oh, my God, what, what are your top ten moments? It was just, just a wrestling fan and them trying to appreciate uh, a, a larger-than-life character, someone who was never a world heavyweight champion but was a megastar in every promotion, promotion they ever went in. Um, my first introduction to him was as Razor Ramon, like most of you guys. I know he had a history before that in Memphis. Where he had the mustache, and he was a he was a brick shit house, and um, and, but my first introduction to him was in those skits when he was in Miami. He was pushing waiters into the the, the water, and and he had the bad Tony Montana accent at first, and then it got better, and and um, and just to run down his career a little bit, um, he is a Hall of Famer. As a Razor Ramon, not yet a two-time Hall of Famer technically, because he went as NWO last year or two years ago, whenever it was. Um, and it's pretty hard. Um, anyways, um, he was the first one to me. I, I get that Jericho and Miz have had uh, more intercontinental title reigns. I think Miz still has eight. Jericho has nine. Honky Tonk Man had the longest, but Razor Ramon was the one, in my opinion. That made that belt special in the 90s. I need to be specific when I say that. Because after his runs, once he had to add to there, that belt was switched around more than you switch underwear. And um, I remember at one point in my conversation with someone, someone asked me, hey, who, who thinks the greatest intercontinental champion of all time? I said, for me, it's Razor. For me, that belt became just so important when he had his runs. Because if I don't know, just it felt like he was bigger than the title, and he was elevating the title. You know, it just felt like he should. It felt like the WWE Championship would have been so good around his waist, but he was at mid card because he wanted to be there because he was the bad guy. I felt like he wanted to be there. A lot of times when you have Intercontinental Champions, it's like, all right, that's cool. That's that's where they belong. You know, uh, but now nah, he made that belt bigger, larger than life for me. Um, and still to this day, I would never call anyone else the greatest intercontinental champion but him. Um, 
And after his four, he was the first man to get to four times. He was the first man to get to four championship Intercontinental reigns with that. Um, defeating a plethora of people. Shane Douglas, uh, Rick DeMato Martel, Diesel. You know, um, he, he's, he, he's had a legendary career. Um, but then he did something that no one else can ever take from him. Something that no one else will ever do. He kicked off the hottest angle in wrestling history of all time. When I believe it was May 13th, 1996, I remember watching this episode of Nitro. Because at the time, Nitro was so bland and so blah. And I remember just, my, my and my grandfather, this year he passed away, he was an NWA fan. He was not a WWE fan. Mainly because of, he loved the mid-card wrestling in WWE. He hated the main event wrestling. The only wrestlers in the main event scene he liked was Macho Man Savage and a few others. But he hated Hogan. He hated Ultimate Warrior. Um, and by proxy, I, I never became fans of theirs because he would tell me about Macho Man, how good he is, and how... I remember before I watched his documentary and knew he was a baseball player, my dad, uh, my grandfather told me. And um, he loved NWA, he loved WCW, he loved everything about it. He, he just was... Obviously, as being from Louisiana, that's just what you see. But I remember watching. I remember watching it live, and I remember, I, I love Larry Sabisco sell this. Well, well, what the hell is this? You know. And I remember, give me a mic, give me a mic. He just walked down casually, and said, "You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here." And I remember I was saying to myself, "What the fuck is going on right now?" Like, I remember being confused. And I don't care what we say about the internet. And even in today's day, if this just happened, and we didn't know anything about contract statuses or anything, and Melcher wasn't able to get anything, we we would still be in shock. It was that impactful, that powerful. And I remember just him and Kevin Nash showing up and Kevin Nash saying, check the adjective. We're not here to play, you know, just, um, I did, like, like, those two are connected to him. They're connected for life. Like, I've, I've, everybody, it was clear that Sean Waltman was the floater of the group, but Triple H and Shawn Michaels were the closest ones to each other, and those two were closer to each other, Hall and Ash. Um, and then it culminated at 96 Bash at the Beach, and, um, boy, oh boy, did that, that, for as much as May 13th, took a shocking turn bash at the beach 96 spun the world upside down for me as a wrestling fan i was like what the what the fuck is going on right now like to this day i'm looking up at him right now that is the, that is the only hulk hogan figure i've ever owned and i thought it was funny because i remember when the ultimate hulk hogan nwo edition came out last year in 2021 i was like do i want that and i thought about it, I, was like, I don't think i ever owned a hogan and i remember i went to atlanta to see uh, I don't have any, any Hogan's. I've never owned a Hulk Hogan ever. But I always wanted to own an NWO Hulk Hogan. And so I got it. But that was just impactful. And um, yeah, watching this documentary that WWE did many years ago, I thought it was a good tell. Uh, he's, a, he's very much a Christian, believes in, in the afterlife and heaven. And he, he, had, he, he killed somebody in defense of himself. And. Um, Ever since then, he had felt like he wasn't worthy of it, and because um, you in, in the Bible, for those who don't know, you know, thou shalt not kill, and um, 
And um, yeah, it just was uh, telling to see someone who's been so polarizing in the business and especially outside the business, but even in the business where like he's made comments to people and um, I think his sense of humor has always been taken out of context. I think, don't get me wrong, I think for a point in time, Hall, Nash, Triple H, Shawn Michaels were just assholes. And I think at some point in time, I don't know if Hall's ever admitted to it uh, or Triple H, but Shawn and Diesel have definitely admitted to it. Like, hey, I was just trying to keep a spot, you know? And maybe Hall has too, maybe, because I've watched a lot of Hall shoot interviews as well. I just don't remember him. Like, like Kevin Dash has gone off his way to apologize to people on shoot interviews. I'm like, damn, dude, my bad. I'm just trying, I was just trying to keep a spot, you know? And as they get older, I'm sure that's how it is. But here's the thing, dude. We're all trying to keep a spot in life. And when you get paid, where you're getting paid a certain amount of money and you're getting en- enough exposure, you, you're just trying to keep that up, you know? Nash is now more focused on acting and he's got some high profile roles, you know? And, and whether it's in the Magic Mike movie or that new dog movie with Chang Tatum, like, he's been, like, just cast regularly, you know? And he's not bad, you know? But, um, yeah, I think that's how they all were, you know. But I do think, because I, I get this sometimes, how sometimes um, your sense of humor can be misconstrued. Um, so, anyways, um, yeah, I have a top ten list here. Um, and I'm going to talk, and this is in no specific order. It's just... The order at first I started doing in the order and I said it doesn't matter. Fuck that. It doesn't matter at all. Um But yeah, let's get to it. So number ten I have uh the greatest intercontinental champion in my opinion starts off with a bang. He defeated the model Rick Martel for the Intercontinental Championship. Um I thought it was a good match and it was like the kickoff of something that was just special and Obviously, I was so young when this was going on. I didn't know what I was watching. <laughs> you know, I just knew that um, a guy was doing some really good stuff. And I love the model. You know, I love the gimmick. I love Rick Martel. But this was really awesome. Uh, number nine, um, SummerSlam 94, recapturing the Intercontinental Championship from Diesel. This was the match where Diesel had the, I think Diesel had the Intercontinental title. And Shawn Michaels was in his corner, and Razor had Walter Payton in his corner. And this was in Chicago, and if anything, I've I've always heard that uh, Walter Payton being praised for just knowing he I can't, he knew the psychology, like no one had to teach it to him. You know, this was actually a fun match to watch. A number eight is becoming a face as Razor Ramon. And this will be connected to one later on. But when he became a... Like, as a bad guy, he was good. No pun intended. That, um, or pun intended, maybe. <laughs> but when he became a face, he changed the whole trajectory of his career. He When he, when he became a face, it was amazing. Um, number seven, going to DDP's accountability crib. I still can't watch that documentary. I went to the movies to actually watch it the first time. And it was actually Raven there... DDP there, Roberts there. I don't know. I don't remember if Scott Hall was there, but um, I remember vividly. Um, it was just a, it was just it was just a tough, it was just a tough watch. That's all. Um, but it was a, it was a good watch, an important watch. But I remember in the middle of the film, you see Scott Hall bloated in a wheelchair, being pushed around, and 
all you hear is his hip cracking the hip surgery um but yeah number six he caught when he calls goldberg his streak in wcw at starcade like that was it was so random because at that time him and nash had kind of made up after he turned his back on nash um and i get and that was kind of his way of making things up but it was a it was a huge moment in wcw history number five is the match he's known for in wwe <laughs> the only match he's really really known for is the liar match between him and Shawn michaels which changed so many people's lives we don't get the hardy boys without that we probably don't get etching christian without that like not the way they are you know um but we do get one of the greatest moments in wrestlemania is that the best liar match but it was at the time it was just so different it wasn't the first liar match either we know that bret hart did the first liar match but this was the first one on a grander scale and it just was different at the time and seeing razor hold up those two belts at the end Mm, changed history. Number four, as I just said, <laughs> ironically, becoming a four-time Intercontinental Champion, he was the first man to reach that height. And he was the first man to, to, like I said, make me feel like that belt meant something. Like, I know we've had Intercontinental Champions like the Warrior, Kerry Von Erich, Mr. Perfect, Macho Man. I know we've had those guys in the past, but when Razor had the one... I think because he just kept going back to it. And I think at the time, Vince didn't know what to do with him in the in, in, in the main card. So he said, I can have, I could just have this guy be a chameleon and do both. You know? Number three, and we just spoke about this, Bash of the Beach 96. Number two, when he made one, two, three, kids start, this was the kickoff of him being a face. And I want to say this was the first big moment in Raw history. I'm trying to think of something that happened right before this or something. Because this was in the early days of Raw. And no one saw this coming. Like, if you say you saw this coming, you're a liar. <laughs> but 1-2-3-K getting the pin, beating him. And, like, it kept going. He just made he made Sean Waltman a star that day, that night. And then he, he, he just kept going, kept putting him over. And... um. He was known for that as well, just putting people over and putting them in positions to where um, it was just like, man, you know, um, this is kind of crazy, you know. But, yeah, that was a star-making night there. And number one, we've already mentioned it, kicking off the NWO angle. Uh, my suggestion is go to Peacock, go to May 13th, 1996, WCW Nitro is worth a watch is worth a lesson is all of six minutes probably it is worth your time so uh, rest in peace to william hurt and rest in peace to scott hall um man it's a tough day